Well, good morning. Welcome to everyone, whether you're watching, involved online, whether you're here in the C3 location, it's good to be together. Hey, why don't we just welcome people who are watching online? I'm going to read some nations that regularly connect with us while we're doing this. And at the end of it, why don't we welcome them specifically? We have people that will be watching today from Bulgaria, USA, Latvia, Australia, Turkey, and Ireland. Come on. There may be others, but they're the ones that we know that regularly and consistently uh, connect with us. So you're very welcome. So today we're concluding our series on The Blessed Life based on the material, the book that you can still buy by Robert Morris from Gateway Church in the USA. I want to remind you, before I conclude with this talk, why we're doing it. We're doing this series because we are blessed. And we believe we are blessed in order to be a blessing. That's the primary reason. We're doing this series because it's not about giving to get. We do not teach that here in the church but we do think we get to give. And that is a privilege. We get to give and make a difference in our world. And thirdly, it's because we are committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we don't pull away from some of the tougher subjects that some places might do. We address it because we're determined we want something for you, which is blessing, not from you. That's why we do it. So today... It's in your YouVersion notes on the app. I would recommend that you follow along with that. If you haven't got it, just Google YouVersion, download the app. It's always helpful. All the scriptures are in there, all the headings for today. It's entitled this, Principles of Multiplication. Principles of Multiplication. How many of you know this? Multiplication of good things is better than simply addition. Hello? Don't sound convinced. It's better. And we serve a God who can multiply resources. We serve a miracle-working God who can multiply resources. If we had time, and we haven't, but I put it in your notes there, new version, we could go through the numerous occasions in the Bible where there are supernatural interventions of God to multiply resources. I've just noted some of them. The widow's oil. That when she collected all the glasses, this is in Kings, she just kept filling the glasses even though she didn't have enough. It just kept being filled, filled, filled. That was a miracle of resources. There's another similar one with the widow of Zarephath who had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and that didn't run out until the rains came that had been promised by the prophet. There's times when the strength of the armies of Israel give up but God supernaturally gives them energy again to keep on fighting. There was the manna from heaven, which multiplied every single day. And then when they asked for meat, they got quail from heaven, which was multiplied so deep amongst them. God is a miracle working God. So my question simply to you is, would it be okay if God multiplied your resources? For those of you who said yes, it's going to happen. Maybe the others, you need to be persuaded. Would you be okay if God multiplied your resources? Yes. Of course we would. So I'm going to read from an occasion where God did multiply. Jesus did do a miracle. This is from Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 12. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version because it says it beautifully. This is Luke 9, verse 12 down to 17. 
When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we're in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he, Jesus, took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now the passage says this, there were about 5,000 men. The parallel um, story is found in Matthew, some of the other Gospels as well, but in Matthew chapter 14, verse 21, it says this, Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's because in those times they recorded the families that were present and they did it in those times related to the men. So let's just say there was two children per household and the wives or women that were present. That will make this crowd conservatively about 20,000 people. So there was the men plus the women and children. About 20,000 people. There may have been more. Most theologians agree that this was probably the largest crowd Jesus ever addressed. The largest crowd, 20,000 people plus in front of him. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to crawl into the story and imagine we are there. So you are part of that 20,000. And of course, there were 12 disciples. So I've enlisted a couple, not 12, just by way of an example, three of the disciples that may have been there and how they may have responded. Are you with me to this? So crawl in as though you're there. So I'm going to ask if I could have uh, Peter, Thomas and John, if you would come out wherever you are in the auditorium. Peter, Thomas and John. Please, a round of applause. This is Peter. This is John. And this is Thomas, I think. Um, and I'm going to use them. We've, we've, we haven't really rehearsed. We just had a quick round yesterday morning at the men's breakfast. So imagine that three disciples, they're with the 20,000. They've been with Jesus, so they know he can do miracles. They've seen him heal lepers. They've seen him raise the dead with Lazarus. They've seen him do some miracles. They've seen him walk on water. Some of these were, were, were the ones that a Messiah was going to do, was prophesied he would do, heal lepers and heal the sick and cast out demons. They've seen that. So they believe this is the Messiah. And they've seen the crowds that are following him and how Jesus, and I'm playing the role of Jesus, how he taught with such insight and wisdom um, <laughs> and humility. And, and, and so they're with him on this day. Now normally, Jesus was quite considerate of the crowd. So he'd send them away when it got to lunchtime. But this day, unusually, Jesus goes on and on 
and on and on. So he gets to lunchtime, he doesn't send them away. It goes into the afternoon and they're starting to get a little bit fidgety and they're thinking, uh, when's he going to finish? And then it, it gets to early evening or he'll let them go now or all the pubs and restaurants are going to close. Uh, where are they going to get lodging? It, it's time for them to go. And yet Jesus goes on and on. It's four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, end of the day. If, this is what it says, if you can get the way it's described here. It says, when the day begins to wear away. You feel the writer kind of sighing. It's all wearing away. And so are we. So as the day is wearing away, Peter asks a question. Does anyone... Does this mic work? <laughs> Does anyone have any food? Does anyone have any food, he said. I'm starving. <laughs> if I don't get food soon, I'm going to die. <laughs> I mean, this is great stuff, but I can't stop him. He's the Messiah. Wow. No food amongst them. They can't stop him. Then Thomas has an idea and says, Why don't we tell him the people are hungry? He loves the people. Sometimes they think he loves the people more than us. So, who's going to tell him? Oh, John, you're his favourite. He loves you. Why don't you be the spokesperson? So Jesus is in full flow. He's preaching. He's going on and on. The day's wearing thin. When John simply whispers, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, I'm talking. I know Jesus. And he's so good. Really good. <laughs> we could listen to you all night. But the people, they can't. And they're getting hungry. The restaurants are about to shut. Do you reckon you could just wrap up? Here's what Jesus says, verse 13. This is a direct quote from the Bible. You... Give them something to eat. Read your Bible. You give them something to eat. So John has to go back and report to the committee. And Peter asks him this. Well, what did he say? Are we stopping? He told us to give them something to eat. Pardon? For us to give them something to eat? Now, just at that moment, they're good, aren't they? They, 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 they? These are some of the best thespians you've ever met. Just at that moment, a young boy with his M&S plastic bag <laughs> is walking past, and Peter sees him <laughs> and grabs the bag from him. He looks inside, and he finds that there are six loaves Open it, come on. <laughs> Open the box. Six loaves. And <laughs> three fish. Now, Peter, of course, being Peter, decides that he's going to help himself. So he eats one of the fish. Okay, maybe, just imagine that. And he eats one of the loaves. <laughs> and when John takes it off him... 
He's only left with five loaves and two fish. Now, I'm reading into the passage, okay? I don't know whether that happened. He looks at the five loaves and two fish and thinks, 20,000 people? Doesn't make any sense. What, what, what are we going to do with these five loaves and two fish? Now, let me just say this to you. Very important. When it comes to multiplication, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It's miraculous. It takes faith. That's what we need. Faith. Five loaves and two fish. We've been teaching on tithing. Can I just say to you? Some people have said this to me. It doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Because it's not about sense. It's about a miracle working God who can take the 90% and make it go further than if you tried to keep the whole 100%. So just back to this. John sees that there's five loaves, two fish, and he takes it to Jesus and says this. Lord, that's all we have. We had six, but someone decided to have some. So Jesus takes the bread. This is what it says in the scriptures. And he says, have them sit down in groups of 50. I just want to point this out. Jesus is an administrator. Those of you that think we don't need it, boy, do we need it. Get him into groups of 50. He's going to manage this miracle. And we just want the power wow. But sometimes we have to set the context up for the miracle to happen. Which is exactly what multiplication does. And it's exactly what Jesus does in saying, get into groups of 50. So even with a miracle, you still need organization. Maybe as Jesus takes the bread and the guys are looking on, Maybe Peter has a memory of the Bible passage in the book of Kings where a hundred men were fed by 20 loaves. And he says, Guys, I know what's going to happen. He's going to multiply it like Elisha did with the hundred men. Clever. Whoa. <laughs> clever, clever Peter. Okay, guys, you can go and sit down now. I think we've done Go and put a lid on that fish. Very good, John. Very good. <laughs> Jesus, he says this, verse 16. He blessed it and broke them and gave them to the disciples to take to the multitude. He took it and said, now I've blessed it. Give it away. And I can imagine Peter, should have kept him up here, sorry, going round the crowd and saying this, don't take too much. <laughs> Just take a little bit. And he gives it all away until he gets to his last piece that's in his hand. And he's whispering, even though he's remembered Elisha and the story, he's still doubting. Should have maybe Thomas. Last piece. And then as he gives it away, in his hand, Multiplies again now. I couldn't do that. Nothing happened. Let's just pretend. <laughs> Didn't see that, did you? And in his hand, there's more bread. So his confidence is growing. 
He's seen it. So he says to the next person, take as much as you like. And lo and behold, in his hands, more grows. Take as much as you like. And it begins in his hands to multiply. This is my point. Listen to this. The miracle did not happen in the master's hand. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciple, of the disciples. It was a crumb in his hand, but then it became a loaf again. And the miracle did not happen until they started to give it away. And I want to give you just two principles of multiplication. The first is this. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed. And the only way to get it blessed is to put it into the hands of the master. Did you hear that? It's not to keep control of it yourself. It's to put it into the hands of the master. And the way we've seen that throughout this series is that we teach tithing, but we don't teach tithing as an afterthought. It is a priority. It belongs to the Lord. It can only be blessed if it's given to the hands of Jesus. What if the disciples had just started giving it away before Jesus had blessed it? Would it have multiplied? I believe no. Because it had to be blessed first by him. But here's the point, guys. Jesus loves See, our world has a different story out there. They don't know how good our God is. <coughs> but Jesus loves to bless. And whatever we put into his hands, he will bless. I say to you again, give your first and your best into the hands of Jesus. He'll bless you. I was young and now I am older. And I've not seen his children begging bread. That's a, a change, slightly changed on the Bible verse. It says, I was young and I was old. I didn't quite feel I could say that. I'm older and I'd say this. I've never seen his children begging bread. He supplies every need. Secondly, this. It has to be given away before it can multiply. See, if the disciples had have eaten it first, it couldn't multiply. My idea was that Peter stole one. That's reading into the Bible. Okay, it's not there. Don't come up. Don't send me any emails. Say that's not there. Just playing a little bit. But if they had have eaten it all first, there was nothing left to multiply. You're looking to God to multiply your resources. But if all you do is consume all that he gives you, there's nothing left to multiply. That's why we say again, first give. Not the leftovers, prioritize. Because he will multiply that which is left. If they had consumed it first, the miracle of multiplication would not have happened. Sometimes people say this to me, they've never seen their, multiply, their money multiply. And often the answer is, well, have you given it away? It doesn't make sense. Now I'm talking particularly about the tithe. But you know, honestly, the tithe is what we return to the Lord. Giving doesn't start until you go beyond the tithe. 
The tithe is what belongs to him. That's why we're trying to say we're going to receive our tithes and offerings because he's not taking them from you, it's you giving them to the Lord. And we believe it's through the local church where that should be prioritized. But giving is above and beyond the tithe. Now in order for our finances to be blessed, we have to give. So is that all there is, those two principles? Well, no, I want to add this in. I think there are three other things that need to be part of getting our finance in order. See, God's a God of order, isn't he? God orders the steps of the righteous, but God loves order in church services. God loves order in our lives. God's a God of order. And I'm just going to talk, I'm going to give three points. I was going to give one, and then I was going to have Robert Morris do two um, on video. Oh, we've got it. So I've got a thumbs up at the back, so I can now speed up a little, because I was taking it a bit slower in order to fill the time. <laughs> but you didn't know that. So now, if I run over, it's because I was going slow at the beginning. So now, the first thing I just want to say, three things. One from me, well, actually, Robert Morris is going to say all three, but he's, he's going to, I want to feel to add something. <clears throat> First thing we'd encourage you to do to see multiplication is this. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. As quickly as you can. Now, you'll hear Robert say in a moment, debt sometimes can mean different things to different people. He doesn't, and I agree with him, think that a mortgage by way of investing into a property that will appreciate is a debt in the same way <clears throat> that someone. So that's not a moist. But I felt to say this to you, to you guys. He doesn't say this. If you're living month to month on credit card, you need to have some plastic surgery. Simple as this. Cut it up. If you're living month to month on it. Now, I use a credit card, and if I use it, I know it's because I can pay it off at the end of the month. But I, if I can't, this will kill you. This will get you into such debt that you can't survive and you, you're not free to be generous as you need to be. So get rid of your credit cards. Plastic surgery. Get a knife. If you need to, we, we won't give money to people to help them unless it's extreme circumstances, but we do run courses and we do counsel. So next week, Sunday 21st and Sunday the 1st of December, after the 11.30 service, with a lunch provided, it's not a debt subject, this is not those of you that are in huge debt, it's simply about budgeting, we're running a course budgeting and healthy money habits it's called the money matters course we can help people in debt through Christians Against Poverty but some of you maybe just need to go to that in order to be sensible about how you're handling your finances, get out of debt as soon as you can if you've got a car with a massive car loan that is draining you so you haven't got enough money left at the end of the month here's some wisdom for you sell your car and get an older one until you can save enough for a deposit so as if you need to get a loan you can meet the repayments without going into debt every month is, is that clear? Yeah. sell it and get rid of your debt get an old banger <laughs> if you need to so as you can drive around Get out of debt. Now, Robert Morris is going to say this. He's, uh, he's, he's on for 20 minutes, so we will run over a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, and then I'm going to come back and ask us for a response. These are the three things 
in order to, and, and stay right to the end because his last point is beautiful about living a blessed life. Take a look at Robert Morris. Now, this means different things to different people. Different people have different convictions, okay? For us, we could still have a mortgage, uh, but we were not to borrow for depreciating items, only appreciating items, like a mortgage on a home. So we have a mortgage to this day, and we have had a mortgage, but we put it on a 15-year note, and we do our best to pay it off, each, okay? So I just want you to know, because when I say that, I don't want you to, I want you to let the Lord apply it to you how he applies it to you, okay? So, number one, he said, get out of debt. So for us, the first thing that we need to do, we had this car that was too big for us, the payment was too big, and so we sold that car and we bought a car for cash, $750. That was all we could afford. So we bought a car for $750, but I, you gotta hear me, we actually loved that car. I mean, we loved it, because we were getting our finances in order. We loved that car, we prayed over it, uh, we anointed it with oil, about a quarter a week, and, um, <laughs> and we drove that car. Okay, second thing the Lord said to me was don't manipulate. Don't manipulate. Now, I was in ministry, but a whole, whole bunch of people manipulate for money. And God never blesses manipulation. Manipulation comes from a root word that means witchcraft. So you, you cannot manipulate. You can't drop hints and expect God to provide for you. And so for me, I said, well, Lord, how does that work out? He said, well, when someone asks you to come speak, they say, what are your financial requirements for coming? And you say, pay our expenses and give us an offering. And some of my friends would actually say, pay, us, or pay our expenses, give, me, give us an offering, and the offering has to be a minimum of. I never even said that. I just said, whatever, just pay our expenses and give us an offering. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, from now on, you say, I have no financial requirements for coming. By the way, this was about 30 years ago, and I still do that to this day. I have no financial requirements coming. And the Lord said to me, I want to teach you who your provider is. That it's not how you arrange things, it's me. Now, again, other people, you can do things differently. Don't put this on, on you. Let the Lord speak to you what he wants you. So this guy calls me. I will never forget. First guy calls and says, uh, Robert, can you come and speak? I said, yes, we worked out date. He said, what are your financial requirements for coming? I said, I have no financial requirements for coming. And I remember he said, well, that's good because I don't even think we can pay your gas. Now, he didn't say pay your expenses. He said pay your gas. Let me tell you why that's important. We get in that $750 car. We start driving. It was to Oklahoma. We start driving to Oklahoma. I stopped to fill the car up with gas. I went in to pay for it. And the lady said to me, it's taken care of. I said, what do you mean it's taken care of? She said, because when you pulled in, God told me that I was to fill your car up with gas. And I went out and I got in the car and I said, Lord, I sure like doing it better your way than my way. <laughs> and here's the third thing the Lord said to me, give. So he said, get out of debt, don't manipulate, give. Now, I have to tell you what happened. Uh, I, I said to the Lord, uh, I said, Lord, um, I do give, I tithe. Now, I, please don't get offended by this. This is just the, what I, the impression that I got in my spirit when I said that. I said, Lord, um, I do give. I tithe. I felt like the Lord went. <laughs> I mean, that really. I, I mean, I kind of felt like it was like, <laughs> idiot. You know, I mean, that's what I felt. And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? Lord, I do. I give 10%. He said, you don't give 10%. You return 10%. He said, the 10% is mine. And when you read the language in the Bible, if you don't return it, then you've stolen it. 
That's the language. I can show it to you in uh, uh, Joshua and in Malachi. Robbed and stolen. Those are the two words God uses. He used it. So I said, well, Lord, what do you mean give? He said, I mean give over and above the tithe. That's when you give. And I asked him three very important questions. I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know where to give? And how will I know how much to give? Aren't those important questions? Listen to his very simple answer. Here's what he said. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My people hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And so I said, okay, Lord. So at, not long after that, I go to speak at the church. Now you have to remember the only salary that Debbie and I received was when I would go speak in the church and if they would give us an offering. And I said, you don't have to give us anything. So I go to speak for this church and it's the only speaking engagement I have for the whole month. I only have one engagement that whole month, all right? And it's at a church with about 60 people in attendance. And I go and I speak at that church and I said, I have no requirements coming. The pastor gets up afterwards. He tells the whole church that. He said, he has, he has no financial requirements coming. I want us to give an offering. And I want us to give a, a, a good offering. So they count it, and then they bring a check to the pastor. And we're standing like right here at the front. And the pastor brings me this check. And he says, look at this. Look at this. He said, we've never given this much. And he was so excited to be able to do that. And I looked down at the amount, and the amount was, a, was the exact amount of our monthly budget. Exactly. And it had dollars and cents on it. And you have to remember, at that time, we also had an office and we had an, uh, an employee, a person that helped me to set up meetings. Because some of the meetings I did were large meetings and were gathered churches together and things like that. And so I looked down and I remember thinking, this is my only meeting for the whole month. You told me not to ask for anything and God, you are so faithful. And while I'm looking at that check and thinking how faithful God is, I kind of glance up and I look over the shoulder of this pastor that's talking to me and I see at the back of the church a missionary that had just spoken right before I spoke, shared a report, and this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's not God. That's not God. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. That is not God. I remember, this It's funny, I know, but I remember even saying, that's not you. That's not you. I know you, that's not you. You would not do that, God. And the Lord said, give him the offering, the whole offering, give him the offering. And I remember saying to the Lord, again, you just have to know that I talk to the Lord funny and he talks to me funny. I remember I said to the Lord, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> this is the exact amount of our budget. We have no other meetings this month. You know, I, I preached a good message and you got all pumped up and you want to give to a missionary now, Lord. But this is, this is, you provided this for us. And the Lord said, give him the offering, give him the offering. And then I remember the Lord said to me, I told you that I would tell you when to give and where to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give right now to that missionary the whole amount. And so the sanctuary was clearing out by now and I endorsed the check when no one was looking, folded it in half and I went to the missionary and said, I'm gonna give you something, but don't look at it until after you leave because it was a very large amount. And I said, and um, don't ever tell anyone I did this because I didn't want to manipulate in any way. I, I have, I believe now I'm supposed to share these testimonies to help other people. But back then I didn't share any of these things that I was doing. So I gave him this offering and uh, he, he you know, said, thank you. And then Debbie and I walked outside and there were some couples standing in the parking lot. And one of the couples said, hey, we're going to go get some pizza. Do y'all want to go? And we said, yeah, you know, because we were 
broke, you know. And so, yeah, sure, oh yeah, sure, we love going to pizza. So we go eat pizza with them, and there are six couples total. So Debbie and I and five other couples. The six guys sat on, if you see this in your mind, sat on one end of the table, the six girls sat on the other end of the table. Debbie's all the way at the end, on that end, I'm at this end, all right? These four guys started talking about something. They got in some conversation about football or something, you know. And then this guy across from me that I had met one time before, just once, I just met him one time, he just leans across the table like this, you know. And so I kind of lean across, I don't know what he's going to say. And he said to me, how much was the love offering? Just like that. And again, because I'm a numbers person, I knew exactly what it was, and so I told him the number. And remember, it was an offering, not an honorarium. An honorarium is with zeros. It's a round amount, like 250 or $500 or something like that. This was an offering that had, you know, dollars and cents on it. So I told him how much it was. And then this guy says to me, where's the check? Like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I got kind of flustered. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know why this guy was questioning me. And so I just heard myself say, Debbie has it. <laughs> and so he says to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. So I get up and I walk down where Debbie is and I lean down to her and I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good. You know, there's nothing else to say. There's no check. And so I go back and again, I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I don't know why is this guy asking me this? Why is he questioning me? And I didn't want to say in my heart, I didn't want to brag. I didn't want to say, we gave it to a missionary and it's the only meeting we have this month. And I didn't want to say that. And so I just heard myself again. I said, it's in the car. And he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? <laughs> I mean, you know so much, pal. I just, I started getting frustrated. Why is this guy grilling me like this? What is, what's going on here? And this guy said to me, who, by the way, is now a member of our church and has verified this, this testimony. This guy said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? I said, yes. I said, how do you know that? I'd only met him one time before. I said, how do you know that? He said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to the service that night. And I found out later, which I didn't even know, he didn't even attend that church. He just heard I was speaking and God told him, go give him this check. So he writes a check out before he comes. He holds this check out that's made out to our ministry and he holds it up like this. Now listen to me, before God in heaven, and this man has verified this, it was exactly 10 times the amount of the check that I'd just get right down to the penny. Exactly. He said, here. And he's holding the top of it. And I reached out and I took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I, I, I realized he, he wants to tell me something. He wants to say something. I now know he wanted to impart something. You do know there's a gift of giving in the body of Christ. There's a gift of giving. That's a spiritual gift. So I'm holding the bottom, 
He's holding the top. He looked right across the top of the check, right into my eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. Here's what came into my mind when he let that check go. I, here's what I thought. This is God's money. This is not my money. This is God's money. All of it from now on is God's money. By God's grace, I have had that thought with every check that I've received since then. And we've been very blessed financially because for some reason people buy the books that I write and so we've been very, very blessed. I still don't know why, but we've been very blessed. We've been able to give a whole lot to the kingdom of God. But I thought this is God's money. Do you know the first thing we did? We bought a single mother car and we still had the $750 car. We started paying people salaries that were out of work. We started giving 70% of our income to the Lord we just started giving and we never told anyone and, and f money started coming in from everywhere and we just kept funneling it through to people. I remember in a few years later, we uh, uh, had a van that we traveled in as a green van and uh, I remember the Lord told me to actually to sell it and we traveled all the time at that time. My son, who's, who's uh, my oldest son, Josh, some of you know him, um, when he was three years old, we were somewhere speaking and someone actually said to him, where do you live? He said, in the van. So, um, so the Lord told me to sell the van for $12,000. I sold it. We went to the mission field right after that. And this missionary uh, drove this old rickety van. And I said, why don't you get you a new van? He said, I'm about to. He said, God showed me last week a van that we're going to buy. I said, how much is it? Anyone want to take a guess? $12,000. And we bought that van. I, we've been living this way for years giving and giving and giving extravagantly. And, and it, it's verified. The elders of the church know it. Steve knows it. Steve is telling me I'm one of the highest givers in the church. That's not because of my salary. It's because of the outside income that the Lord's blessed me with. And I'm grateful for that. But let me wrap this up. Let me tell you what happened. A few years after this, I was having my quiet time. And the Lord just spoke to me one day. I was reading in Philippians about Jesus gave up everything. And the Lord said to me, would you give me everything? And when he said it, I knew what he meant. He meant everything in my personal checking account, everything in our, Debbie mine, everything in our personal savings, everything in our ministry account, and everything in our ministry savings, which would be like a business account. That was where, where our income came from. Everything in our retirement. At that time, we had two cars both cars and our house. And the way we, we did that, by the way, because we gave it to a pastor that had five children and the church said the best way for you to do it would be to, for the church to buy the house as a parsonage and then you give the proceeds back to the church. And so that was what we did. And there's the man who did that, who oversaw that transaction is also a member of our church now and can verify that we gave that to the church. So, and that was not Gateway, that was the church I was a member of a long time ago. So, anyway, we gave everything away. So, the next morning, I'm thinking about it, and I'm, because I'm a math person, I'm adding it up in my mind. All these accounts, you know, the, the cars, the house, I'm adding it up, and the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, nothing. <laughs> he said, no, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I don't want to tell you what I'm doing. And you know, if you're thinking something, but you don't tell him what you're thinking, he doesn't know. 
He knows, just so you know, he knows. So I said, well, Lord, I said, I'm not having a real spiritual thought right now, so I don't want to tell you. He said, tell me what you're thinking. I said, well, you know that old saying, you can't outgive God. He said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, "Um, well, I I said, I don't mean this wrong, but I think I did. (laughs) I mean, you add up everything that I gave, I said, this time, I think I've got you. I have no reason why I said that word. I said, I I think I've got you like that. And the Lord said to me, you think you've got me? And when he said that, the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. By the way, the man on the other end of the phone is a member of our church now and has verified this story also. I picked up the phone and I said, hello? And this guy said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And I thought, he's gonna buy us a car. But even if he buys us a car, um, we just gave away both cars. By the way, at that time, we'd given away nine cars. We've given away a lot more cars since then. And by the way, let me just uh, brag on the Lord through you. Last year, you, Gateway Church, gave over 100 cars to people. So it's contagious, the spirit of giving. And so anyway, I I was like, well, even if he buys a car, Lord, I still got you because he gave away all the retirement and house and I still got you. But thank you for the car, you know. And uh, so I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? That's what the guy said. He told me to buy you an airplane. And he said, I'm gonna pay for the maintenance and the hangar and the insurance and the fuel and I've hired a pilot and I'm gonna pay his salary. Here's his name and number and you just call him and tell him where you wanna go and when you wanna go. And the Lord said to me, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Now, now, now listen to me. This is not a message give and you get an airplane, okay? <laughs> By the way, to, I wanna clarify, he gave the use of the airplane to us and we gave the use of it back to him about a year later and I, we don't have an airplane today. I don't own an airplane, the church doesn't own an airplane. So it's, this is not about an airplane because that is not the best part of the testimony. Here's the best part of the testimony. A while after that I was reading and I was reading the most famous story about Solomon and you know this story. What's the most famous story about Solomon? The most famous story about Solomon is that God said to Solomon, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine God saying that to you? Can you imagine that? So I'm reading that and I thought, it said at night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, ask anything you want. So I thought, and the Lord leads us when we're reading the Bible, I thought, I wonder what happened that day. What happened that day was he was inaugurated the king of Israel and it was tradition for the king to sacrifice one bull when he was inaugurated. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? 1,000 bulls, 1,000. That's pretty extravagant. And I remember the Lord said to me that day, I only say, to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. He said, I would never say that to a selfish person because I couldn't trust them, but I can trust givers. Now, I'm not even thinking about that Debbie and I have given away everything we had, but right then when the Lord said that to me, he said to me, ask. Ask anything you want. 
and I knew exactly what I wanted. I've been very honest with you, and you know this, I have an immoral past. I was immoral after Debbie and I were married. And I thought when she finds out, it's gonna end our marriage. So I knew exactly what I wanted. I said, God, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love for the rest of our lives. And this May, we celebrate 35 years of marriage. That's better than an airplane. That's better than an airplane. I wanted to see, us to see that right to the end. To say when we talk about a blessed life, it does include our finances, but it includes our marriages and includes our health and includes every part of life because God's concerned for it all. Sometimes the blessing that needs to come in other areas of life is related to the areas where we hold control on and we have to give up everything to him. I'm not saying give away everything, but I mean give up everything. So I honestly believe if we're faithful with our finances, then God can bless us in other areas as a consequence with true riches. And I want to ask you as we finish today, where do you want to ask God? We're finishing the series. Next week we've got a, a great Sunday celebrating all that we do by way of C3 Impact. You mustn't miss next Sunday. Really mustn't. It's going to be a great day of celebration. But I want to ask you, where do you want to ask God for multiplication? I ask the team just to prepare these for us today and to save our offering for the end so that you can write on there, what do you want to multiply in your life? And we're going to take up an offering. Now, for some of you, it may be money. Some of you are saying, oh, I'm fine. I'm comfortable. I don't need any multiplication of money. Hear me, I'm serious on this then draw a circle around your current costs and outgoings and everything God multiplies beyond, give it away. If you're saying I'm comfortable, still ask God, I want every single one of you to multiply your money so as that you may give it to the kingdom of God. I'm going to be honest with you on that. Rick Warren's my favourite on this when he wrote The Purpose Driven Life and he knew he had enough money to rest the rest of his life and the book was a New York Times bestseller. And so he took what he got by way of royalties and he paid back everything by way of salary to the church that he'd been part of for 25 plus years. Paid back all the salary. And then he decided not to move house, not to buy a bigger car or a boat or anything like that. He said, I'm just going to live with the same standard of living that I have. And now he says, and this isn't a man that you'd ever look at and say he's a faith and wealth kind of guy, that kind of message, name it and claim it. He's not even in that camp. He said, I'm going to live on my 10% and I'm going to give away 90. So he lives on 90%, same house, same car, and he, and he lives on 10% of his income now and he gives away 90% to advance the kingdom of God. So I think in some ways we should all be praying for finance to multiply, but not so as that we can live on more and get bigger and better, but that we can be more generous in our giving. Amen? Every one of you. But it might be your business. It might be your friendships. 
I think it's beautiful his specificness at the end there about his marriage and how he wanted that to be something in 35 years of marriage maybe that's what you want to put down or your children whatever it is maybe you haven't given to the vision offering yet there's still chance it's still open today we'll announce next week then you can put in something today or your vision offering by way of saying I'm all in or it might be you want to start tithing today you can put it in today as we take up the offering set up a standing order so that it's first goes out on the first of the month if you look at my finance or our finances looked at our bank account our mortgage goes out at the end of the month because we have to pay the HSBC but our tithe goes out at the beginning and for me that's just a sign to me what's first blessed guys I want you to live blessed in another dimension so as we sing in fact I'm going to ask the musicians if they would just sing it over us first or play over us whatever they want to do and then the offering is going to come round the offering receptacle the container and I'm going to ask you all put this in there with something written on it or put an offering in there of something. or if you've brought something if you read my letter if you've brought something today you want to bring it into there by way of a sign God will you multiply this then you can bring it to the front just lay in the front I'll tell you what I'm going to write on here because this is my prayer for next year and Christmas as we come up to it Lord would you multiply salvations amongst us that we see people who are far away from God come to a faith in Jesus Christ it's not everything but it's so important Pray for multiplication of souls, of lives, of people that really matter to God as we put it in there. And then when we've had the musicians play for a while, we'll stand and we'll sing as we can close our service today. Let's give up our offering. Thank you.